waiting for the midnight sky to burn Red as the lips of the lover of the silver moon You're listening to Empower Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Jutine. And I'm your co-host, Phil Stepp. So before we begin, um, that song that you heard in the beginning was actually our new theme song. And it's called Lover of the Silver Moon, and it is our cousin Stephen James in the Revival. That's his band. And our other cousin, Dave, was singing. So that's pretty cool. It's a cool song. I like it. Yeah. So they're they're musicians. Um, Steve's living in Austin now, so it's pretty exciting. So today we're going to talk about steelhead fishing, and we have a guest here today. Captain Parker Babinek. I hope I said that right. Yeah, Parker Babinek. It's close enough. <laughs> Perfect. Parker's been fishing Lake Superior and the rivers around the lake for as long as he can remember. Um, he's fished all around the country and recently took a wounded warrior group steelhead fishing in the Milwaukee area. Uh, beyond that, he's a licensed U.S. Coast Guard captain and has his own Lake Superior charter fishing company called Superior Pursuits. So thanks a lot for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Parker... A little bit about your fishing background and kind of where you grew up. Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Duluth, Minnesota here. Went to East High School. Uh, graduated in 2008 and uh, left uh, Minnesota and went out to uh, Michigan for, what, 10 years and went to school there. Got a biochem degree at Northern Michigan University and then uh, just graduated nursing degree and got my RN. So now I'm back in the area and uh, Started my own charter fishing business three years ago and started uh, working for a different company in town here, Lake Superior Fishing, in 2015 and ran one of their boats that summer and loved it so much that I bought my own boat. Uh, back in 2012, I actually uh, had a life-changing event. I uh, was out perch fishing uh, with my girlfriend at the time on uh, Lake Michigan. And we were fishing for a perch and uh, there was a snowmobile came by ended up running one of my tip-ups over waved my arms at him like what the heck and yeah. evidently he wanted to play the bigger man and he uh, ended up turning around revving his engine and hit me with the snowmobile broke both my legs and uh, took off so I was left stranded there on the ice uh, I was ended up you know making it to the hospital uh, the next morning they had me walking they fixed both legs internally uh, with metal rods and I was steelhead fishing that spring, and, and that event, you know, just taught me how precious life is and, and uh, how, you know, follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know, work, work on fishing, and the plan is to fish in the summer and be a nurse in the winter. Great. That's that, awesome. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a good reason to do what you're doing. And yeah. we got steelhead fishing coming up here soon, so you're, I'm sure you're itching to get out there. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it was a, a good taste of steelhead fishing when I was down in Milwaukee last weekend, and the fish are running down there, and it's just around the corner. The brule opens next weekend, and the, uh, well, this weekend, actually, uh, in two days. Yeah, yep. And then uh, North Shore will get popping here pretty quick as soon as the ice gets off the rivers, and we should see some good steelhead up there as well. Can you uh, tell us about that fishing trip that you guys went on last weekend in Milwaukee? Yeah, so uh, I partnered up with uh, one of the pro staff. I'm also owner of Dr. Juice Fish Sense. Uh, my dad started that back in the late 70s. And we partnered up with uh, Corey Weirman of Weirman's uh, River Adventures, and we went uh, down to Milwaukee. He partnered uh, with Wounded Warrior Project out of Chicago, and they do, uh, you know, getting vets out into the outdoors and 
and he wanted to take some bets fishing and introduce him to steelhead fishing. It's a it's a great sport to get into that not it's not that cost intensive. You can get into the sport for you know a couple hundred bucks up to you know as much as you really want to spend. But as far as fishing goes, it's you don't need a boat. So it, it's one of those great things that you can give back and we took these vets out fishing and it was it was awesome a lot of these guys hadn't been fishing in 10 years and to get them out on the river and catch their first fish in 10 years that you know the, you could see the light on their face when mm-hmm that's pretty rewarding yeah kind of experience there. Yep. yeah funny you say that about the the affordability of steelhead fishing it made me think back to when i first started when i was like 16 15, 16. Uh, my first steelhead rod was a was a uh, store brand name, yeah. uh, fly rod, and my reel was a Martin. I, I cannot remember the name of the reel, I but it's like the, 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 the $7.99 special at oh, Marine yeah. General. I used that, that thing for five years, and I must have caught, I don't know how many steelhead I caught on it, but I caught a ton of steelhead on it. So my yeah. entire setup, including mono, and my hooks, and my yarn, and my, my juice, uh, cost me maybe 30 bucks total. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Using my old duck hunting waders. So well, that's well, that's the best thing about the sport. You know, and a lot of it, you know, you don't even need the waders to, to get into the sport. You can try it with, yeah. you know, even your walleye gear. You can go try it. It's not the most effective method, but once you hook one, you're going to you're going to go back to the store and get the <laughs> yeah, proper <hold> gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz I I think I used just a regular fishing pole, a walleye pole yeah. yep. when I went last year, but I didn't, it was my first time um, river fishing, and I didn't want to go out and spend the money, yet, especially because I'd never done it before. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you talked about Dr. Juice. Is your dad's company, and is he the one that introduced you to fishing? Yeah, so I was been fishing since I could, before I could walk. He had me out on the rivers and out on his boat you know, since I was just a little guy. And he, uh, he grew up fishing down in, on the Mississippi River and his dad was a commercial fisherman for catfish. So he ended up, uh, he, his dad used scents to catch this catfish and, and make a living. He got his MD and had, you know, the biology background and did some research on fish and ended up coming up with the formula for Dr. Juice. And that's what we still use today on the rivers. Uh, you know, when you're using just a yarn fly, just the sight presentation itself uh, works really well, but you, if you add a little bit of scent, it's just like using a, a spawn sack then at that point, and you don't have to have spawn then. Yeah, it's better than a spawn sack yeah. in my opinion. Interesting. I had never heard of Dr. Juice until I had done a little research on, you know, getting you on the show and yeah. everything. So what, it, what does it actually do, Dr. Juice? Yeah, so Dr. Juice is a, a fish attractant. It's a fish oil-based attractant. Uh, there's five different species-specific scents. The one you're going to use for steelhead is the trout and salmon scent. And besides the fish oil base, it has uh, pheromones, caramones, and amino acids that are specific to, you know, the trout and salmon species that you're going to be targeting. And it elicits that aggressive behavior in those fish. Uh, most fish are more aggressive during the spawning season, and that's what those sex pheromones are going to bring out. They're going to bring out that aggressive behavior in, in those fish. Hmm. Are there different types for different types of fishing? Um, is it all? So there's the trout and salmon scent. We have walleye. There's bass scent, northern pike muskie, panfish crappie. Actually, our newest scent is the shrimp scent. So we've uh, we're going into the bait uh, side of the scents a little bit, 
and that's been producing well for all species actually. Are you, uh, is that, is that salt, or salt, is that shrimp recipe, is that going to be for salt water too? For sure, yeah, okay. no, my dad just was in the Bahamas for two weeks and they were using it down there and cool. had good, good luck with it. And you could really use I'm it going, all over the country. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to San Diego in a couple weeks, so maybe I'll grab a bottle from oh, you. Oh yeah. And, uh, and test it out when I'm down there. For sure, I got some in the car. We'll all right, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Awesome. Um, so your company that you have now, your charter fishing company, it's called Superior Pursuits. Yep. So how did you get that started? And I know you said you bought the boat after. Um, yeah, so in 2015, I, uh, I started working for Lake Superior Fishing. They, they needed a captain for the next year. I grew up fishing on, on the Lake Superior with my dad had all the hours that I needed to get my captain's license. It's a pretty rigorous course. It's a 60-hour course through the Coast Guard. You take your tests, and then, you know, you do a drug test and physical, and they make sure you're fit to be a captain. And once you pass all that, I started running one of their boats, and, shoot, I was on the water probably 200 trips between first mating that summer and, and running a boat as a captain. And I just loved it. It was, you know, being out on the lake every day, and my buddy, it was in December, uh, he sent me a, a Craigslist ad. He's like, hey, you should buy this boat. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And went and looked at the boat, and it was a project boat. It needed some work. Ended up taking a month and a half in uh, May and early June in 2016 to get it ready. Got it in the water with uh, help uh, from Corey Sundin, my buddy, and started fishing. The first trip I actually took on that boat uh, was a vet's fish up in uh, Knife River. There's uh, about 18 charter boats that come up from Duluth, uh, two harbors, Knife River, that put this on. And that's through the Silver Bay Vets Home, and there's a couple Vets Homes down in the cities that they send up. You know, these vets, they, they go out fishing, and this is their event for the year. They're talking about it until they come fishing with us the next year, and it's, it's a great time. And being able to get people out on the water, I take everybody from you know, beginning fisherman that's never held a fishing pole to expert fishermen that just want to get out on the big lake. It's, uh, you know, it's 450 for a half day for four people, so it's not a ton of money, but to own your own boat and have all that equipment, you know, you can't get into it for for that price. Oh, absolutely. Plus it's the fuel the cost. Yeah. Yeah, just the fuel license. alone yeah. in a boat like that is going to cost you. Yeah. I had yeah. a couple clients come with me last year. They, the first trip, they're like, oh, we should get a boat. <laughs> and I talked to them, well, you come up four times with me. That just pays for the dock fees for the summer. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, definitely expensive. You know, the, the acronym for boat is bust out another thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the truth. <laughs> so. Well, that's cool. We'll have to definitely talk more about big lake fishing here as the as the season gets we'll, going. Because we'll have to do a whole other episode. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because that's coming up here soon. In fact, you know, there, there's been some years where I've been out in March in my boat. It's February in my boat. Oh yeah, um, for fishing sure. for loopers and steelhead and whatever, whatever else, salmon, cohos, and all that. So. Yep. It'll be a little later this year. There's still some ice floating out yep, there. there is, but though. steelhead fishing's right right around the corner. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the spring fishing that you can do on the rivers. The rivers are about to open up probably yep. in the next couple weeks here. For so, sure. Um, as far as someone, like you mentioned, you, you've taken new people out and you were just with the Wounded Warriors and some of them you had mentioned too had never gone steelhead fishing. What would you say the basic things are that you kind of need to know when you go to the river? Yeah, so if you're just getting started out, if you already have a fishing rod, just take that fishing rod with you. Maybe partner up with somebody that you know that's gone steelhead fishing before. It makes it more fun to go with a buddy anyways. But if you're going to get your new gear, uh, 
you want a nine foot rod. The longer rod helps you on the river. Uh, keeps your lines not dragging in the water when you're doing the, the drift, side drift method. Uh, you need some hooks, you need some split shot, and some yarn. And that's really all you need to, to get on the river itself. I do an eight pound running line and then a six pound leader. And you uh, snell a, a hook onto your line and, and then you put some yarn. Chartreuse or pink is a good color on the North Shore here. Uh, even blue, which seems odd, can be really good on, on clear days uh, when the water's clear and not muddy. And then you're going to put a split shot, a couple split shot, you know, eight, ten inches from uh, that yarn fly. And what you're going to do is you're going to cast about 45 degrees upstream from where you're standing on the stream and you're going to drift it, side drift it through the pool or a little bit of riffle that you have in front of you and you want to feel that split shot ticking the bottom. If you're not feeling it tick the bottom, you're not in the strike zone, so you're not going to uh, be hooking up with steelhead. And if you're constantly getting snagged up, you have too much split shot. So just vary that amount of, of weight that you have on your uh, line and until you get the you know little bit of tick. And when a steelhead grabs it, it Hold on. <laughs> one thing, one thing that you're talking about uh, feeling the rocks on the bottom, and I was yep. when I first started, I was taught uh, by a good friend of ours, Greg Jeanette, uh, to feel for the rock that moves. Yep. And that's that's kind of what I always remembered uh, going through because you're going to feel rock, 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 rock. Then you feel a rock that kind of moves, mm -hmm. and it's hard to explain. You feel that, you set the hook. Yep. And and that's basically you know what it's all about. And when you're talking about the um, the sinkers, what I've done, and I don't know if you do the same thing, is I usually bring a variety of a bunch of different sizes of sinkers. Yep. Um, that way I can limit to one or two sinkers on my line versus having like a big one, a little one, you know, a medium yeah. one, that kind of thing, taking off and adding on, getting really the feel for the speed of the river, sure. and then kind of taking them out and mix and matching them. So. Yeah, I'm not adjusting my, my weight that much, even when you're fishing different runs on the river. Once you figure it out, you know, for the speed of the river that day. Yeah. What works for you that day. Then you're not yeah, usually North Shore, all those rivers are going to be running pretty much the same. Yeah. You know. Yep, for sure. So, also, you had a little different method of, of steelhead fishing that you had told me earlier. Yep. It's not necessarily fly fishing, but can you explain what yep, you Yep, so do? I do the same side drift. So you, you can do the side drift with uh, a spinning rod and using spinning line. Otherwise, I, I use a fly rod. Um, and the reason for that is you can strip the line off and then your next cast you just strip a little bit more and it's an exact, you know, you're fishing six inches further out and then you can strip a little bit more line you're fishing six inches further out and you're stripping the line in versus reeling. It's a little bit, uh, once you learn that method, I think it's more effective and a little bit quicker to, to yeah. cover water versus, you know, spinning gear. But yeah, definitely quicker to... to yeah to chuck mono yeah right as the sure. fly fisherman would say yep. mono chucker yeah <laughs> what was the term that you had used though it chuck was, and duck is that what you said i call, it, said. I call it mono, mono. chucking yeah. mono i like it better like mono chucking you can get away with a lot less room when we're when you're talking about combat fishing on the brule or yeah. uh, on the north shore combat you can, fishing like there's just a lot of people around. yeah shoulder yeah. to shoulder yeah. literally oh, like on the weekends it's it's not cool but and that's one thing i was going to mention about all of you that are looking to get started at this is don't be intimidated when you go out by all these people with fancy looking gear and, and everything like that usually um when you see somebody with everything brand new they're usually not the good steelhead <laughs> fishermen look for the guy with the torn vest 
and the camo on, and oh, you know, yeah. the guy that's the in fish the fish slime. Yep, the fish slime on, <laughs> on their back, that kind of stuff. Um, that's the guy that you want to want to fish next to. Yeah, uh, and don't be intimidated by a lot of people. Well, that and don't be intimidated. You know, it can definitely combat fishing. You know, say there's five guys fishing a pool or whatever. Go talk to some of them. You know, don't jump on the river and start fishing right next to them without talking to them first. But go talk to them. Most of the time, you know, hey, I'm a beginner fisherman. They'll invite you in or even ask, you know, hey, can you show me some tips? Most most guys are going to be pretty Absolutely. generous and be like, yeah, just this is how I'm doing it. And and they want to get other people into the sport. Most steelhead fishing is catch and release anyways. So yep. it's not like you're going to steal somebody else's fish. Absolutely. So what what can you keep on the river? Um, depends where you are. So you got to, you know, make sure you check your regulations for what state you're fishing. On the North Shore, uh, you can only keep uh, clipped steelhead. So they have, uh, the steelhead has an adipose fin, which is the fin, uh, it's a little fin just above the tail on the back on the dorsal side. Uh, if that's clipped, you can keep those fish and... Those are called camloops or loopers? Or? Camloops, they've planted some steelhead uh, as well with that clipped fin. Uh, now it sounds like they're going to get rid of the looper stocking program and, and go straight to steelhead, at, uh, which they'll clip those fish as well. Uh, make sure that's healed and someone didn't just clip it earlier in the day illegally, <laughs> but oh. uh, it has to be a healed scar. Um, on the Brule River, it's uh, you can keep one fish over 26 inches. It can be a you know a native spawning fish or or a clipped fish doesn't matter. And then if you go down to Lake Michigan tributaries, I, it's like five fish over 15 inches or something like that. Yeah, that's amazing the differences yeah. in, in there. The biggest importance would be to just check your regulations year after year. Oh yeah, it yeah. changes all the time. And if you go anywhere else, like the West Coast or up in Alaska, there's been a few buddies pinched. You know, the regulations can change daily. <laughs> Nick Peterson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, always ask questions when you're on the river. Most guys are going to help you. Uh, the big thing, since this is a catch and release fishery, uh, make sure you're properly handling these fish. You don't want to stick your hand up in the gills and you know, if you, you cut those gills or damage them anyways, that's how these fish are breathing. So you want to kind of cradle the fish underneath uh, the head and, and you can grab the tail. They actually have a, a bone uh, back in their tail. If you grab just in front of their tail and squeeze pretty tight on that, you can, you know, lift a 30-inch fish out of the water, you know, without holding it just by the one hand and then cradle it in the front, get a quick photo and, you know, put them back in the water, hold on to them for a little bit if they seem tired to you know, face their head into the current. As soon as they start kicking, let them go. What about a net? Do you use a net? I do use a net. Yeah. Uh, there was a few years I wasn't using a net and you get into some bigger fish that take a run down the stream and if I would have had a net, I could have got the fish way, way quicker. And one thing I noticed, there's actually a guy in the Milwaukee River and he, he wasn't too thrilled that we were there. We showed up with, you know, there's five vets and us two guiding them and he's like we thought he thought we were pushing him out of his spot and like no we're you know trying to teach them how to you know fish the river and stay out of your way and you know you stay out of ours and we'll fish the river together well this guy fall hooked a fish if you fall hook a fish just straight line it and pop the hook you know you, you can't keep the fall hooked fish anyways it's going to be a longer fight you're going to stress that fish out but if someone offers to net your fish if you see a rookie maybe you don't don't take that offer, but most of the time, if someone's offering to net a fish, they know how to net a fish. Let them net the fish. When you got that nine-foot rod and you're trying to reach out to grab the fish, oh, yeah. it's it's difficult. So what uh, is fall hook? 
It, not hooking it in the mouth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So if you get it in the tail or something, you're in for you know the, that that uh, fish has twice as much power basically because mm. yeah. it's just running straight turn, away from you. You can't turn them. So uh, what he was talking about flatlining them is basically pointing the, the the last eyelid of your rod straight at the fish and holding your bail of your of your uh, reel so no line can come out and just letting that line snap. Yeah. Snap at the hook hopefully. Half the time the the, the line will snap. The other half you'll pull the hook out. Yeah. Just way better than stressing the fish out. Yeah. Okay. So, properly handling fish, we kind of talked about a little bit, um, but as far as etiquette goes on the river, you also kind of mentioned. Yeah, don't be afraid to, you know, go talk to some guys, but there's definitely, you know, if a guy's fishing a stretch of river, hooks into a fish and he, you know, gets taken downstream by that fish, you can, you can fish that stretch while he's gone, but it's kind of his place. He was already there. When he comes back, you know, let him slide back into the line wherever, wherever he was. And then uh, once someone does hook up, and if there's multiple people in the hole, you want to get out of their way. Those steelhead kind of go wherever they want. So yeah. if you know if your line gets tangled up in their line while they're fighting a fish, it can really screw things up. So you know, pull your line out of the way. Mm-hmm. So when you're fishing shoulder to shoulder, how does that? You know. So you got, go ahead. Yeah, you kind of all cast at the same time. You all cast yeah. at you know forty five degrees upstream. You all drift. You know you're okay. maybe five I ten feet apart. I feel like it's apart. a secret club, though. It is. <laughs> well, usually if you see guys fishing, like I could I could stand next to Parker as far away as we are right now, which mm-hmm. is a foot, two feet, and we could fish effectively next to each other like that. As right. long as you got the same rhythm and you're going, and if you're the guy downstream, you got to make sure you're you're in rhythm with the guy above you. Because yeah. that's really going to dictate how you cast and everything like that. What you don't want to do is, if I don't know Parker, go walk up to him and start casting right next to him. Okay. It's okay for me to come up and talk to you. But, you know, I try to keep, you know, I, I like to say, well, I don't know, how far away is it from here to that wall? 20 feet? Yeah, 20 30 feet. feet. I like to stay at least that far away from somebody else if I can, if I can at all help it. Yeah. So. Okay. For sure. So you'd suggest, so for me, I'm going by myself. I've, I've never really gone before, but now I have all this knowledge, right? Yep. So I'm going to the river, got my duck waders on, because yep. that's what I got. Perfect. And, and my walleye pole. Okay. Yep. Obviously, I'm inexperienced. Would I go up to that experienced fisher, say, and and just strike up conversation? Yeah. Or... Yeah, it really depends on where they are. If they're standing out in the river, I don't know if I'd walk out to them. But if right. they're standing on the bank and maybe after they hook up on a fish, you, you can stand there and watch them for a while once they hook up. And after they land the fish and they're getting ready to, you know, to start fishing again, then I'd talk to them. It really kind of depends. And you can tell when just you... Just read them, right? Yeah, yeah I read them. Yeah. yeah. Most guys are going to they're gonna want to talk. It just depends on the person. Okay. If they're not friendly doing other things, they're Move not going to be friendly. When, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, like, like Parker was saying, watch for a guy maybe that hooks up with a fish or something. If I was, if I was in Duluth, and I had never steelhead fish before. The first place I'd probably go is the Lester River, yep. and I'd go stand on the bridge and I'd look over both sides and I'd watch the seahews catching fish. After that, I'd probably get down and wait for that person to step off onto the bank to, to eat a sandwich or whatever the, whatever they're doing, and just talk to them and be like, "Hey, you know, uh, I saw you caught a couple fish. What are you What are you using? Don't act like a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. Literally act like you don't know anything about it, and people are going to be nicer to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Humble, humbleness goes a long way. way farther than than pretending like you know what you're doing. Oh We've all gosh. seen it. Those those people out there that have all the the best gear, and I'm yep. not saying you shouldn't have good gear, but the people that have the best gear that sit there and don't know what they're doing, but they try to pretend like they do. That's not the kind of person I'm going to go help out. <laughs> That's my pet peeve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, so last year when I got out, I went out with Greg Jeanette, our friend, and. Um, 
he's like, oh, you're an Uji. I'm like, what? What? I'm an Uji got it stuck in a tree. <laughs> Uji <laughs> got it stuck in a tree. <laughs> I've been there many times. <laughs> because I, you know, I was trying to cast and I'm not used to river fishing. So it wasn't something that, you know, I was thinking about that yep. there's trees behind me. So I got it stuck in the tree quite a few times, but you know, hopefully my Uji days are going to be over soon. That, yeah. That's where the chuck and duck or mono chucking comes in handy with trees is you can really, if you get that, uh, that line sequence like Parker was talking about before, you can stay low to the water, you know, at the end of your run, pop it out quick, throw it back at the top of the run and keep drifting down without getting caught up on a tree behind you. Okay. You, know, you start fly fishing and you can do roll casts and things like that. And I'm not as, as experienced with fly fishing, but for a beginner, mono fishing is, in my opinion, by far easier to start off with. Yeah. So. And even with that same mono rod, some guys are, you know, starting to do float fishing. And you got the whole center pin fad going on right now too. You can float fish with a spinning rod, and you know that's going to be your deeper, slower pools. And what you're going to do there is you're going to you you have your slip bobber with a weight. You want to stagger weight, probably four to six, you know, quarter ounce sinkers, enough to keep that float upright. And then you're going to run, you know, a foot leader to your fly or Yarn, yarn fly, and you're gonna set it up so that bobber's ticking the bottom, and then lift it up, you know, three, four inches. And so when you're going through that run, you're fishing, you know, three, four inches off the bottom, and that's where those fish are laying. Yeah. And that's another super effective method. On the North Shore, not so much. Most of it's that mono chuck and duck fishing, but you can fish towards the Brule or some of the bigger rivers in in Wisconsin. There's a lot of pools that you can I, uh, float yeah. fish. I always keep a float and a package of butterworms in my vest when I'm yeah. going out because you never know when you might when you might see that perfect hole and you can drift that sucker ten times and catch five fish. Yeah, you know with butterworms. So, well, speaking of another method, uh, James Eisenhower asked a question on Facebook and he's asking about the effectiveness of casting spinners for steelhead. Um, earlier in the season, when fish are just fresh into the river, that you know, throwing yarn flies, the egg pattern is is probably by far the best method. Um, once you start getting drop back fish and the water's a little bit warmer, throwing spinners is is definitely a good method. Um, make sure on the North Shore streams you're swa swapping that uh, treble hook out for a single hook, um, and then you know just double check your regulations. Wisconsin rivers you can use trebles, but. Uh, with that, you want to cast, you know, basically perpendicular to the river across the current, and you're going to start reeling. You want to make sure you're feeling that thump of that blade as it as that uh, spinner starts working downstream. Reel a little bit slower because the the current's going to st start catching that blade, and you'll just it's like swinging a fly. Um, and when you do that, you can, you know, get some really aggressive fish, and it's a really good uh, fall method as well. Yeah, I was just going to say I've heard of a lot of guys using that in the brule in the fall. Yeah. Um, the best time to go fishing for steelhead is in the spring or fall? Both. Both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, spring, uh, the, the water's going to be colder. Um, the, you know, it's weather's cold, there's snow on the bank, there's ice in the river. Be prepared to, you know, make sure you're wearing wool socks, maybe bring some fingerless gloves, you know, wear layers so as it warms up throughout the day you can take them off. And, you know, the fishing's going to start here mid-April, and it all, it all depends on the year when the ice leaves the, the North Shore streams. As soon as those fish can get in, they start, start filtering in. And then uh, as, as you go up further up the North Shore, you can fish through May. 
a lot of those rivers, yep. you know, up towards Grand Marais. Best day I ever had fishing, me and a friend of mine caught 35 steelhead in one day um, between the Lesser River and uh, I think we ended at Split Rock, mm. and that was Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, and you wouldn't think. They, no, you wouldn't think, and there was nobody on there. We didn't run into one other person. In fact, I got a really funny story about that, and it, it. it is one of my one of the, the, these days of fishing I'll never forget. We caught a ton of steelhead that day. We were on the Gooseberry River, just below the falls, and anybody that's fished there knows that that falls has got this huge pool right below it, and uh, when the steelhead get in there, they they stack up thick in there. Yeah. And the end of the season like this, there were still just a ton of them in there and we were, we were murdering them in there. Uh, not literally, we were catching <laughs> a ton. And a friend of mine, the friend that I was with, was fishing and he had old, old trusty, his, his steelhead rod he's been using since he was 14, 15. He hooked into a 30 inch steelhead and that thing was not happy. And he was fighting that for a long time, I couldn't tell you how long. Uh, his rod broke. Oof. It snapped in half on the fish, which I've rarely seen. I don't know if that might be the only time I've ever seen a rod break on a fish. And, you know, you've got the current that plays into that and everything, too. But the rod broke, and, he, you know, I had the net. And as we're um, fishing, you know, we're trying to get this fish in, and we're freaking out because the rod's broke because it's a huge steelhead. There's, there's a crowd of maybe 100 people watching <laughs> the falls, and they are, they are cheering. Like, they are... <laughs> There, there's a probably it's Memorial Day weekend. There's a ton of people looking at the falls, and all of a sudden these people start cheering and clapping. And just as I net the fish, people go nuts. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> this is the most surreal moment. <laughs> I, I, this is like my dream. I'm steelhead fishing, one of my favorite things to do. People are watching me and they're <laughs> cheering for me. And I didn't even catch the fish. I just netted it, right? So I had the easy part. And then you know we're we're high fiving and we're like this is this is unbelievable. I mean like I almost started crying. It was so good. And we look up and no one was looking at us. There was a couple up on the falls that had just gotten engaged. <laughs> so here we go from thinking everybody's watching us do this. They're cheering, you know, clapping, hooting and hollering. And then finally we look and we see that they're just congratulating this couple that just got engaged oh. above us. So. It was still a fun, fun moment, but... Uh, Did anyone see it? Nobody, I think, saw us. Oh. I don't think anybody was watching us, which is fine with me. I'd rather they didn't watch me, but uh, anyways, that's the story I have about late season steelhead fishing. So it might happen to you. Yeah. Yeah, it can happen. <laughs> Get an audience. Um, so why steelhead? Like, why, why is there an obsession with steelhead, do you think? Oof, I don't know. I, you can only really target them both fall and spring it's it's hard to catch them out in the lake they're an anadromous fish which means they live out in the lake or ocean they are a uh, originally from the pacific northwest and they planted them here in the the late 1800s and so they become there's a native strain in lake superior they they consider them native because they've lived here and they're they're you know there's a sustainable population and they're kind of nomads in the summer, you know, running the charter. I maybe catch a half dozen all summer fishing, you know, with the thousands of fish that I'm catching all summer. Yeah. It, and then in the spring and fall, you can just clean up on them and, you know, it's so a lot of fun. So they travel really far then, yeah. you know, throughout the year. And pound for pound, back. too, they're, they're one of the best fighting fishes out there. Yeah, I mean, I, for sure. I, I don't know if I've, I mean, I'm sure that, like, you know, bass pound for pound fight really well, too, but, you know. 
I don't really like fishing for bass that much. Yeah. But <laughs> so it really is a sport. It absolutely yep. is. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a sport fish, and you know, on the ocean, they they swim from you know Alaska to the coast of Japan and back, and then some fish are swimming up the Colorado or not the, the Columbia River up to the Snake into Idaho. You know, it's a thousand some mile journey. That's incredible. For a fish, you know, swimming upriver. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the craziest one I, I heard of, my dad actually caught a, a fish on the Brule River. It was a pretty nice steelhead, uh, probably 30 inches, and it w- had a tag from Thunder Bay, Ontario. And they, they had just tagged that fish the week before because he called it in and, you know, it was like, you know, they were like, what do you mean? They, you just caught this in the Brule. I was like, yeah, I caught it in the Brule. We, we just tagged this fish last week. That's crazy. That's a long way. Just beelined it across the lake. They're crazy. I wanted to ask, you know, a couple, just one more question quick and then we can wrap it up for yeah. this one. But, um, so, you, I know you, you charter out on, um, you charter out on Lake Superior in the summertime, so I'd like to maybe talk about that next, you know, yeah. for our next episode coming up here. And also, as far as um, steelhead fishing goes, do you, do you take out groups for steelhead fishing? Or? I'm just starting to get into that. Um, I'm doing a lot of my own personal fishing. If you want to take along, it's not going to be that expensive. I do have some extra rods. Um, and also, I you know recommend uh, Weirman's River Adventures. He does a great job guiding for steelhead. Cool. So uh, if people want to uh, get a hold of you about that, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can give me a call at 906-360-7513. Otherwise, you can check out my website at www.superiorpursuits.com. All right, and you also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Yep. We'll be sharing those as well on our on our own social and website. So, awesome! Thank you so much for joining us Perfect. today, and I can't wait till the next next time we get to talk about yeah, your. Yeah, it's a lot fishing. of fun. Yeah, I can't either. It's going to be a great time, and there's a lot more we can talk about on on both topics. So sure. Perfect. Thanks okay. for tuning in to Empower Outdoors. See you next time. <laughs>